Seems that nearly everybody these days has some version of the ring doorbell. We have one called a sky bell, but it's the same as all the rest of them. If someone comes up on our porch or rings the doorbell uh, via an app, uh, our cell phone is notified and we know then that someone's on the porch and we can see then who it is, giving us the option to decide whether to go to the door or not. And I'm finding these days that I'm kind of a big fan of my sky bell, uh, especially around dinner time, because that seems to be the time that my porch becomes the most active, if you know what I mean. We're just sitting down to dinner when, ring, um, it's a man standing on my porch with a clipboard who is selling pest control services again. Ring, it's another guy on my porch, yet again, with a clipboard, this one is selling replacement windows. We know him, too. It's sort of nice to be able to sit there in peace and finish our meal and know that those gentlemen can leave a flyer on our front door if they want to. On the other hand, if it is our neighbor who's come by to say hello, of course we're going to the door. Or if it's the Boy Scout who lives down the street who sells really amazing popcorn, you bet that we are answering. Now, my colleague, Alice McKenzie, says that in a first-century Palestinian village, however, you really would not have the option to not go to the door, nor would you have the option to grumble and not help your friend who shows up at midnight asking for bread for two reasons. First, everybody would bake their bread in the common village oven. So that means that everybody would know who had the most fresh bread at their house, and fresh bread was reserved for guests. You were supposed to always have some ready for guests. And second, the houses were built so close together that if somebody showed up on your front porch at midnight and pounded on the door asking for help, everybody in the village would be able to hear, and they would also be aware that you were grumbling and you weren't getting out of bed to help them, which would bring shame on you and on the entire village. And nobody wanted to be the person who ruined the reputation of an entire village for gracious hospitality because of their grumbling. Now, friends, today is Father's Day. It is a day where we have an opportunity to give thanks for our fathers and men like them, and also to consider what makes a good father. Now, I'm obviously not a father, and I'm also not a perfect mother or a perfect daughter either, but I do think that I know a good father when I see one. And according to our text, a good father is one that you can depend on to answer the door and offer you bread, even if you show up on his doorstep at midnight. A good father is going to offer you an egg or a fish, not a snake or a scorpion. A good father is one who's going to see that it's caller ID, you calling after midnight, and he's already in bed, but he's going to take your call and he's going to help you, again, even though he's been in bed for a really long time. My husband, Tripp, is a good father. We have two children. Our son will be 31 next month. My Lord, how does that happen? And our daughter is in her mid-20s. Again, Lord have mercy, how did that happen? Well, I'm very close to my children, 
And I talk to them all the time, nearly every day, and these days, Zoom and, and FaceTime too. But I have noticed that if there's big trouble and it's late at night, they tend to want to talk to their dad. When our daughter came out of work late one night and had two flat tires, she called her dad. When our son became very ill and was hospitalized in the middle of the night in Austin, it was Tripp's phone that rang at 2 a.m. In both cases, he was on it. And my dad is a very good father, too. When I was in high school, and my friend wrapped her car around a light pole with me in it as the passenger, never mind that it was very late at night and never mind that I was out doing something really dumb. When I called my dad, the first thing he said was, are you okay? And when I said yes and started to cry, the next thing he said was, I'm on my way. To this day, I can count on my dad for a word of encouragement, for love and acceptance, for wisdom, whether I call him at 9 a.m. or midnight. It's just who he is. And our brother Luke, the author of our passage, he has some very specific ideas about what makes a good father, doesn't he? Not just in this text, but actually in the entire text. It's sprinkled throughout all of what he writes. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? It only appears in, in Luke. And there Luke tells us that a good father is not one who sits at home and waits for you to come crawling back on your hands and knees begging for mercy. Instead, he runs to meet you on the way and wraps arms of love around your neck. And do you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? That also appears only in Luke. If you read that carefully, you'll see that in Luke's view, a good father is one who's going to seek you out in the ditch when life has beaten the stuffing out of you. And he's going to pull you out and bandage your wounds and care for your healing and then there's the Lord's Prayer, the beautiful prayer that Jesus taught us that began our text this morning. And, and in that prayer, Jesus addresses God as Father, Abba, Daddy. And as we read that prayer, we can see that a good Father, our good God, is honorable and responsive and merciful. Now I want to acknowledge that not everybody has an earthly father who is honorable and responsive and merciful. Some of us really haven't had a father in our lives at all. Others of us have had fathers who have been abusive or neglectful or both. Many, many of us have father issues, father wounds, father deficits. And so it's really, really important to remember that when Jesus addresses God as Father, he's not telling us to equate God with our earthly fathers. Again, Mackenzie is very helpful on this point. She says God is fully aware that human parents can hurt as well as heal. So when Jesus addresses God as 
Father. Well, he's doing that because Jesus understands that our human minds are limited. There's just a limit on, on how much we can understand. We cannot fully comprehend who God is and what God is about, but what we can do is make comparisons between God and things that we know. And we know human relationships, family relationships, or at least what they should be. So friends, that's why Jesus calls God Father. He's, he's communicating about relationship. He's trying to help us understand how close God is, how trustworthy God is. And that, that makes God like a very, very good father. You know, I, I read once about the late movie star Burt Reynolds and his father. They had a very complicated relationship. In an interview one time, he talked about it. Bert said that uh, his dad was the chief of police of a small southern town. He was a World War II vet, kind of a, a, a tough guy, you know, beloved by many, but he was really, really hard on Bert. Bert respected his dad and feared him. And he also longed for his dad to show him that he loved him. He longed to know that his dad accepted him, that his dad was sort of in his corner, you know. In this interview, Bert went on to say, you know, there were two rules in my household. One, no crying. And two, no hugging. He said, in the South, you see, a man is not a man until his father says that he is. And Bert said when he was in his early 30s, he was still waiting for his dad to deliver that message to him. He just didn't seem to have gotten around to it. In the meantime, things were not going well for Burt Reynolds, period. He had dreamed of being a professional football player. But a, a really serious injury ended that dream. It wasn't going to work out. And then the whole acting thing wasn't going that well either. Movie executives said, eh, you're good looking, but you don't have any talent at all. So at the age of 32, all he had to show for his career was just a few bit parts in movies and the future didn't look especially bright. And then his marriage to Judy Carn hit the rocks. They decided to get a divorce. And Bert dreaded telling his family, especially his father, who he knew would be very disappointed. It would be the first divorce in their family, and Bert felt like that was shameful. And so he put off telling his parents for a really long time. He put it off so long that he knew they were going to read it in the newspapers if he didn't go ahead and make the call. So he set a date for himself. He said, I'm going to call my parents on this day. And he stood there and he said, and he looked at the telephone and he found himself afraid to pick it up. He was so scared that if he called, his father would answer the phone instead of his mother. And yet at the same time, he deep down really did want to talk to his dad about, about it. Well, he said he, he stood there and he stood there and he stood there and then finally... With shaking hands, he reached down and picked up the receiver, and he, he called his, his parents, and he said, thank God his mother answered the phone. 
And so he told her what was going on. He said, Mom, Judy and I are getting a divorce. It's final. No, Mom, I, I don't think we're going to reconcile. It's over. Will you please tell Dad I'm sorry? Will you tell him I know I failed again and I'm sorry? And then he heard another voice on the line. Son, said his dad, why don't you just come on home and let me tell you about all the times that I've failed? Friends, I don't know if you've ever been afraid to call on God. I don't know if you've ever doubted that if you went and knocked on the divine door, that God would answer. Have you ever wondered if you did that in the middle of the night, if you knock, 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 if God might use the divine version of the ring doorbell and decide not to come? But I, I pray that this text sets your mind at ease. No, sometimes our earthly fathers are not who we need them to be. But we can all give thanks because, you see, all of us have the very best father, a truly good father in God, a father that can be depended upon always, who will come to us when we call, who will answer the door when we knock. The door will be open, says the text. If we come asking for bread... Our good God, friends, is, is not going to give us a spider. And so on this Father's Day, I do hope we'll take this opportunity to give thanks for our fathers and men like them. I hope that if you have a, a father that you feel comfortable reaching out to today, that you'll do it, that you'll offer him a word of thanks and of love and I don't know, maybe one of those gifts we always get dads on Father's Day, you know, the classic tie, a book, a golf club. They receive those and add them to the stack. I think they know that uh, we're just trying to tell them how much we love them. But if you do have a father like that in your life, I, I sure hope you will reach out today, friends, because time just goes by. It does flow by like a river. And we don't have forever to tell the people in our lives what they mean to us. But moreover today, friends, I, I pray we all take a moment and give thanks for our Heavenly Father who is so truly good and who loves us all, who is honorable and responsive and merciful, who can be depended upon to come to us when we call, to answer the door when we knock, and stand ready then, ready to offer us love and grace and acceptance and strength and wisdom and the bread we need. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for our fathers and men like them, those who have modeled your love for us. Oh God, we're so grateful for them. But most especially today, we are grateful for you, O oh God, our Heavenly Father. We know that we can depend on you, that if we, if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, you will never withhold your holy presence from us. Thank you. Thank you, O oh God, 
for being one that we can depend on and, and truly good. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us in worship today. I'm Senior Pastor Holly Gotelli. Alamo Heights United Methodist Church is a Christian community of love, hope, and belonging for all. To connect with us, visit ahumc.org or find us on social media.